This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. We're going to be reading just the first eight verses of this chapter. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 882 in the back section. Page 882, this is Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 24. And this morning I'll read for you questions 62 through 64. From page 882, question 62, why can't our good works be our righteousness before God, or at least a part of our righteousness? The answer given, because the righteousness which can pass God's judgment must be entirely perfect and must in every way measure up to the divine law. But even our best works in this life are all imperfect and stained with sin. Question 63. How can our good works be said to merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and the next? This reward is not merited, It is a gift of grace. And then finally, question 64. But doesn't this teaching make people indifferent and wicked? No, it is impossible for those grafted into Christ by true faith not to produce fruits of gratitude. Well, last week we dealt with one of the most fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. The doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, 
in Christ alone. And we saw that salvation is all of God. It is nothing I offer. It is nothing I do. It is only Christ's satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness that give me any assurance of salvation. We talked about the fact that we receive these glorious gifts. We appropriate the justification by faith alone. Faith is not the ground of our salvation. The ground of our salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. But faith is the instrument that God uses in our justification, that we may embrace that work Christ has done for us. What we did not talk about last week, when talking about justification, when talking about our salvation, what we did not talk about last week was our good works. Doing good works and their relation to salvation. Now, for, for some churches, that's where we begin. You want to be saved? You want salvation? Let's talk about the good works you need to do so that God will take notice of you, that you will do enough good things, and then he will give you the gift of salvation. But we saw salvation is first and last from God. Our good works do not in any way play into God's choice of us in salvation. Our justification is not what we have done, it's what Christ has done. Well, if all of that is true, and it is, then the most natural question is, well, then what difference do good works make at all? Why bother doing good works? If salvation is first and last of God, without anything that I do, why bother living like God would like me to? Why bother doing what He wants? I'll just live how I want. How do, how do good works fit in to the economy of salvation? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The relationship between God's grace, which comes to us, and our own good works. Jesus describes that relationship in John 15 as the relationship of a plant, of a vine, whose branches bear fruit. Look at verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Bearing fruit, doing good works. How does that fit in light of the fact that salvation is all of God, all of His grace? We're going to talk this morning about doing good works. And the first thing we have to notice is that good works simply are not sufficient, are not adequate to assure our salvation. As we said last week, salvation is based on what God has done in Jesus Christ. This is fundamental to the gospel, that it is not what I offer to God, it's not what I earn before God, it's not what I have done. 
We sing the song, not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul. Your grace alone. Our works are simply insufficient to secure our salvation. Our question 62. Why can't our good works be our righteousness before God? Or at least a part of our righteousness? Because the righteousness that can pass God's judgment must be entirely perfect and must, measure, and must in every way measure up to the divine, divine law. Our righteousness must be entirely perfect. That's God's standard. Complete holiness, absolute perfection. And we simply cannot live up to that. As some of you know, I used to be in the restaurant business before pursuing the ministry. And when in the restaurant business, we had fairly high standards uh, that we like to uphold. And our goal in, in our particular uh, restaurant was that we wanted a, an outcome to happen at least 90% of the time. That was our expectation, that everything be done correct absolutely correct, at least 90% of the time. If it happened 90% of the time, that met our expectations of our employees and the guest experience. Now, certainly we wanted to exceed expectations, but our, our, if something happened 90% of the time, that was what we expected. God's expectation is not 90%. It's not 99%. God's expectation is 100%. All of the time, we live a life that is absolutely perfect. You know, children, sometimes I think, wouldn't it be something if, if I could only sin one time a day? Wouldn't that be something? If we could only sin one time a day. Of course, you know that that means after a week, you've sinned seven times. After a month, you've sinned about 30 times. After a year, about 365 times. And when you get old, like 30 years old, you've sinned over 10,000 times. And when you get real old, like Reverend Niemeyer, over 20,000 sins. And that's with only one a day would be over 20,000. Our, even our best that we offer simply is insufficient. Again, that reflects the truth of our confession. Even our best works in this life are all imperfect and stained with sin. Our salvation is not based on what we do. It is not based on our works. We could never offer enough. We could never do enough. We could never make it right enough. No, our salvation is wholly dependent on Jesus Christ. And that's the call of the gospel once again this morning. Stop depending on yourself. Stop thinking you can do something to earn God's favor. Look to Christ. Look to his finished work, what he has done on your behalf. That's our hope in salvation, not the works of my hands, not what I have done. My good works are simply insufficient, even the best I do. Even if I only sinned once a day, I would rack up a total that is beyond belief. 
Our good works are not sufficient for salvation. Then the Catechism asks a really good question. In light of that, if our good works are not part of our salvation, question 63, how can our good works then said to be merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and the next. If my salvation is not best based on my works, then why in Scripture does God promise to reward good works? Not only in this life, but also in eternity. Maybe you've had friends come up to you when you start to talk about the fact that our good works merit nothing. They say, wait a minute, what do you mean good works merit nothing? God himself says he rewards good works. I think, I think of a text like, like Mark chapter 10. We read in Mark chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. If you leave everything for Christ, you'll be rewarded. You'll get it back a hundredfold, not only now, but later. What do we do with a text like that? We think of a text like in the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians, how he's talking there and he says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We will get something back based on what we do. And if those texts are not clear enough, our friends will certainly bring us to Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, Verse 6, we read this. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. God rewards those who seek Him. How can you say it is by grace alone without anything you've done? When God himself says, I'm going to reward you when you do good works. Well, our confession reminds us, reward is not merited. Even the reward is a gift of grace. Jesus' picture in John 15, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that may bear more fruit. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He talks about our connection as the connection between a branch bearing fruit and the vine or the root. And he says, he says, when you are in me, when you abide in me, then you will begin to bear fruit. When we do those things, 
that are pleasing to God, when we do those things that do conform with His holy will, who is it really that's doing it? It is Christ working in me. The fruit comes because I am connected to the vine. If I wasn't connected to the vine, there would be no fruit at all. So it's not that I've merited anything. I'm simply living out the implications of belonging to the vine, belonging to Christ. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Who offers those good works to God? It is Christ working in us by the power of the Spirit. Not me on my own deciding, well, I'm going to do great things for God now. It is Christ working in me. My connection to the vine by the power of the Spirit allows me to do those things. I haven't merited anything, but God has graciously grafted me in that I might live in a way that is pleasing to Him. I call the works mine. I call them my own. But truly, they belong to Christ. Maybe kids like like your house. Maybe you've had friends over sometimes and and they come to your house and you're going to play a game and then um, maybe they play it a little bit different than you do and you say, you know what? In my house, we follow my rules. I know you kids would never say that, but in my house, we follow my rules. Now, is it really your house, kids? It's your parents' house and they let you live there with them. But it's your parents. You say, it's my house. No, it's your parents. And truth be told, it's the bank's house, okay? The bank lets us live there. It's not that they're inherent in us, but because of your connection to mom and dad, you say, this is my house. Because of my connection to Christ, I say, these are my works. But Christ, it is you working in me. The reward is not merited. It is a a gracious gift because of my connection with the vine. Salvation is not based on our works. They are simply insufficient. Although they are rewarded, even that reward is a gift of grace. Salvation is by grace, by grace, by grace, by grace. It is what God has done. We simply respond to this glorious gift. I had a professor in seminary who used to tell us, he said, if you properly, if you properly preach the free grace of God in salvation, if you properly preach that salvation is by grace alone, nothing which you have done, no good works on your part, someone's going to say, someone's going to say, well, then why live for God anyway? Doesn't this teaching hurt us in our walk with God? And that's exactly the last question of this Lord's Day. But doesn't this teaching make people indifferent and wicked if it doesn't matter how I live, if it's all of grace, all of grace, all of grace? And that beautiful answer. No, it is impossible for those grafted into Christ by true faith not to produce fruits 
of gratitude. And the Catechism picks up that fruit language here. It is impossible for those grafted in, those who are, imp- who are part of the vine, it's impossible that they would not produce this fruit. Again, from our text, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. A lack of fruit is punished. If there is no fruit, we read in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me and he is thrown away like a branch, he withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. A lack of fruit is an evidence. It's a demonstration that there is no connection to the vine and they are cut off and they are thrown away. No, Christ says, you are in me. You are connected to me. And you must bear fruit. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit is the natural consequence of a healthy tree where the branch connects to the vine, connects to the fruit. And if there's no fruit, Jesus says that branch is cut off, it's thrown away. No fruit is absolutely necessary. It must happen if we are are connected to the vine. And then the praise goes not to us. He says, this is for my Father's glory. It evidences the goodness of God, the power of God, that we who are fallen and sinful and dead in our sins but made alive in Christ, we can now begin, we can now begin to live in a way that is pleasing to God. We can begin to bear fruit for the glory of God our Father. We read in verse 2, he says, He prunes those that bear fruit that they may bear more fruit. It's not a one-time thing. God continues to work with us and work in us by the power of the Spirit. He says, already you are clean, the same word there is pruned, you are pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. God prunes us by his holy word, a word that lays out for us the path of righteousness, a word that teaches us what that good fruit looks like. Children, you know, every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, I read the law of God. Why is that? Is it because keeping the law will save us? If you've been listening, you know the answer is no. Keeping the law, what I do, my good works do not save me, but they are the necessary response because I have been saved. Every Sunday, we see that laid before us once again, that we might have a a greater desire and a greater conformity to the ways of God. That's why we read the law every Sunday. It lays out before us how we can grow in our walk with God. This week, we prepare to come to the Lord's table on Good Friday night. And part of that preparation is reflecting upon who we are, reflecting upon our sin, recognizing our fallenness. And that's not very difficult. We see that all too clearly. But I would encourage you this week also to reflect upon upon how you are bearing fruit to the glory of God. Do you see that, that, that by the power of the Spirit, you are beginning in some ways to live 
a life which is pleasing to God, that we might bring glory and honor to Him. And we come to the table to be strengthened in that task. We come to the table so we get stronger and can bear more fruit. And we anticipate that this coming Friday night, to come to be strengthened by the body and blood of the Lord, that we might in our lives bear much fruit, do good works to the glory of God, not because they save us. That's done by Jesus Christ. That work is finished. But because as those who are found in Christ, connected with the vine, it would be impossible for us not to produce fruit of gratitude. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for the clarity of your word and the clarity of the gospel. Oh, we recognize all too clearly, apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we are dead in transgressions and sins. Apart from you, we are those branches that are cut off and gathered and thrown into the fire. We thank you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ, that true vine the one with whom we now have a connection. Lord God, strengthen us in that connection by your Holy Spirit that we might live lives that are pleasing unto you. We know your holy standard. We'll never live up to that. But as Christ lives in us, as your Holy Spirit works in us, you will allow us to begin to bear fruit of gratitude. And that will be, oh God, for your honor and for your glory. Work in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.